Hey, how's it going, NBA fans? This is Kevin Haswell alongside Blake Pace for another episode of Courtside Take. Took a two-week hiatus there uh, with no episodes. You know, I had to really take some time and get over the Sixers' loss to the Celtics in the first round. Uh, Very unfortunate loss, but, you know, uh, I got a little cocky with my predictions, and they lost in five games. So uh, I I also have Blake on the show. I'm not just going to talk by myself. So, Blake, how are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. I uh, yeah, I feel bad for you. You know, it, it was it was a great season for Philly. So honestly, you know how it ended maybe wasn't how you wanted, but I mean, I'd sure take that season over what I got from the Knicks. So you could always look at it that way, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we could both say that they could have won that series uh, four oh, yeah. to one themselves. I mean, there was uh, three or four of those games where they were up with you know a minute or so to go. Uh, they were up three or four points, and down the stretch, they just couldn't hit a shot. Uh, and it seemed like Brad Stevens just outcoached Brett Brown the entire series. Oh yeah, definitely. And also, it was really interesting to see, you know, these players on these young players on the 76ers know what they need to work on now. And it, you know, Ben Simmons, what you got um, shooting wise from him in late game scenarios, you know, he was you know basically limited to inside the uh, paint. He's got to work on that outside game, and you know it really hurt him in that postseason series. Um, yeah, I mean, you you got to be excited for the future of Philly. Um, you have to be worried about the future of Boston, of course, when you're looking at that. But um, those two teams, that series, that's going to be the, you know the next decade of uh, Eastern Conference basketball. Honestly, yeah, it's very interesting. You know, the Sixers <laughs> going the off season, uh, what they're going to do. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Some of the guys they're targeting. Uh, but we'll start off by talking about the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. You know, everyone kind of seems like they came in picking the Cavaliers. And uh, yesterday, the Celtics upset the Cavs. Uh, not not even a close game. Uh, 108 to 83. Uh, the Celtics were led um, by Marcus Morris, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, who combined for nearly 80 points. Uh, what a great performance from the Celtics. Uh, especially on the defensive end of the floor, holding LeBron James to 15 points, nine nine assists, seven rebounds on five of 16 shooting, including seven turnovers. Blake, what are your takeaways from game one, and what's your prediction for the rest of the series? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as uh, LeBron James after game one, and he he's not worried, and I'm not worried about it either if I'm the Cavaliers. Going into this series, I know we didn't get the chance to kind of preview before, um, but you know, my thing was that, you know, I, I, I thought that the Celtics would be able to take two games away from the Cavs. One of those would go to, a, you know, an amazing game plan from Brad Stevens. Um, and then the second would just come from a bad shooting night from the Cavs because we've seen, you know, several times they're, they're very prone to just getting cold from beyond the arc. Um, and so I think that, you know, I gave Boston, um, I gave the Cavs a six-game series. I thought Boston could take two games away. Um, and I'm not exactly sure which one specifically this was yesterday. I'm not sure if it was the poor shooting night or the great Brad Stevens game plan. Maybe it was a combination of both. Um, it, it was a little scary. Um, of course, you know, I think it's it's tough if the Cavs make it to the finals, whoever they may be facing, um, to, you know, overmatch the, the talent of the Rockets or the Warriors. But for right now, I'm still not worried about the Cavs. It, it, it looked bad. Um, you know, Kyle Korver, George Hill, they weren't able to do anything. Jared Smith, if he's not on, it's it's a poor night. You need Kevin Love to be that second star. You didn't get that. And especially when LeBron James, you know, was, um, you know, not hitting down his shots. 
um, you, you, you need that help from the supporting cast. But I, I still think that this um, ends up being a six-game series um, advantage to the Cavaliers. Yeah, no, I definitely understand what you're saying. It almost seemed like the Cavaliers, you know, we've seen this in the past, but it almost seemed like if LeBron James not fi- LeBron James is not firing on all cylinders, everyone else kind of feels like they can't. Uh, you know, in this game, they're five. Uh, he was five for sixteen from the field, which is very uncharacteristic from probably one of the most efficient scorers of all time. And you know, the rest. You look at the rest of the team; they shot very similar. I mean, Kevin Love five for fourteen, uh, seventeen points. Um, Jordan Clarkson was four for 11 from the field in 16 minutes, Rodney Hood, five for 12. Um, you know, not very efficient, um, from a lot of their scores, uh, Kyle Korver, who's usually, you know, takes five, three pointers and makes three of them only made one, uh, two for six from the field. So, you know, they kind of looked helpless, um, on the edge. I, I, you know, I want to give hats off to Brad Stevens in that game one, um, victory because, you know, holding LeBron James, it's usually one or the other. You either stop LeBron James or you stop LeBron James and make him pass and, you know, you let his shooters do all the work or you um, you let him score and you basically take everyone else out of the game because he can't score 60 points. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he can, but that's not winning the game. And so Brad Stevens somehow did both in this game. Uh, and like, like you said, I personally don't believe that the Celtics can keep this up you know, I think LeBron's going to figure it out. He's one of the best players of all time. Uh, he's very intelligent when it comes to, you know, game planning. He's basically the coach of this team. And I think he'll turn it around. I think he'll turn this series around. And, uh, you know, before game one yesterday, I talked to Matt Weirich on the Pure Sports podcast about uh, our predictions for this series. I went with Cavs in five uh, going into last night's game. And I'm going to stick with that. Uh, my prediction went with, you know, the Celtics getting one game at home. And that's exactly what they did. Um, you know, if I had to put money on it, I probably didn't think it was going to be game one, but you know, I, I, I could see the Cavs pulling off four straight wins, uh, a, a more motivated LeBron coming out and playing efficiently in the next game. Um, and you know, I think at some point, I mean, I feel like everyone's been waiting for this, but I feel like at some point, Jason Tatum's got to really show he's a rookie. I mean, he had 16 points on six of 11 shooting, very efficient. Uh, he had two steals, a block, six rebounds and three assists. I mean, he had a very solid game. But I think at some point, these young players, um, you know, are, are going to show their youth. And, you know, Terry Rozier was only 4 for 10 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3 after leading the NBA in three-pointers uh, coming in. So, you know, I'm really I'm really looking for the Celtics team to show some of their youth and LeBron to really turn the corner uh, and show why this Cavaliers team is going to return in the finals. Yeah, exactly. And and kind of just if you look at the other great rookies that got playing time in this postseason – you know, towards their their last few games, you know, specifically Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell, it, it looked a little rough. And so, you know, they hit that that rookie wall eventually. And you're right, Jason Tatum, you know, hasn't really hit that necessarily. And, and once he does, if he does, um, that you know, LeBron James will take advantage of that. And, you know, the Cavs won't look back after that point. Um, is it a little worrisome that maybe, you know, you know, Brad Stevens is just too good of a coach right now to, to – um, for the Cavs to kind of uh, overmask his game plan. Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I'd, I'd be a little cautious. That's why I think it goes into that six range, um, you know, especially with another game at home uh, coming up for game two for Boston. Um, they just have a lot of a, a lot of momentum right now. Um, everyone seems to be rooting for the, the Cav- uh, for the Celtics right now. Everyone I see um, on, on Twitter, social media, they're all rooting for, you know, this, this Celtics team with essentially zero stars in that, in that lineup. 
um, to take down LeBron James. Um, people are always looking for ways to criticize LeBron, and so I think it's kind of funny that this is the route that they're taking. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I, I just see it going to at least six games at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm being kind of bold with sticking with my five-game oh, prediction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to say the Cavs will pull off four straight wins against you know one of the best coaches in basketball, mostly because he's great at adjusting, um, is going to be very difficult. But you know, I want to stick with it. Um, you know, once <clears throat> once the Celtics win another game, obviously it's out the window. But uh, you know, it's it's going to be a great series. Um, and you know, Blake and I will be back next week to talk more about the Eastern Conference Finals. So we'll move over to the Western Conference Finals. Kicks off tonight at 9 o'clock on TNT. Uh, Houston Rockets uh, will actually be at home and are favored for the first time. Uh, well, they're favored over the Warriors. Um, this is the first time that the Warriors are underdogs in a game with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant healthy ever. In the last you know 180 games they've played together, uh, this is the first time they've been underdogs. This is uh, really you know kind of a cool little fact there, but... Uh, you know, it, it should be a great series. It seems like people are writing this up as the NBA Finals. Um, you know, really writing off the NBA or the Eastern Conference winner. Uh, Blake, what are your thoughts on this series and who comes out on top? Well, yeah, that is really interesting. It's the first time they're underdogs. I honestly don't understand how they are the underdogs, and I guess I'll talk about that later. But I mean, um, yeah, I just think that you know the Western Conference Finals is the the best two teams in basketball, and I you know. Maybe this should be treated as the finals, but, um, you know, unfortunately, the way the seeding is, you know, they have to play each other before they meet up for the championship. But um, either way, I, I, this is going to be a really fun series. Um, I've been critical about the Rockets, um, or the players, and Mike D'Antoni as well. Um, I think, you know, Chris Paul has shown from time to time in the postseason that he can choke. Um, James Harden did last season, and Mike D'Antoni teams have also not been that successful. Um in in the postseason um so yeah i've been i've been critical of the rockets um and uh, you know i'm still gonna say that I, I i expect the warriors to win this series and it just comes down to i don't know who's going to guard kevin durant um i don't i i understand that the rockets have the mvp and james harden they have a you know prolific backcourt with him and chris paul they've really made um sharing the ball look effortless on that offense they have a rising big man in Clint Capella, um, who I think really needs to have an amazing series in the paint to, um, you know, take advantage of maybe the undersized bigs in Golden State. Um, but I don't know who I'm putting on Kevin Durant and how it's going to make that much of a difference. You know, if you've got Katie uh, posting up, maybe I put a big body like Capella on him. But if, you know, Kevin Durant takes him out to the three-point line and tries to make some moves, he'll get by Clint Capella every day. And then you look at some of the other forwards, Ryan Anderson, too slow, uh, you know, um, PJ Tucker, I don't think he's big enough. Um, I really think that Kevin Durant, you know, the second, you know, in my opinion, the second best player in the NBA right now is, um, is just has too much of an advantage over the forwards of Houston. And, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, they can cancel out, you know, maybe with James Harden and Chris Paul, but, you know, the Rockets don't have someone to cancel out Kevin Durant. And that's why I think this, this series, actually, I think it's, um, just like you said, with, you know, a five-game series in the Eastern Conference, I think that Golden State wins this in five. And, you know, maybe I'm just being too critical of the Rockets. I, I just, they had, they, they showed a good series. Um, they showed a good postseason so far. 
Um, but if you're going to beat the Warriors, it's going to take a lot more than beating, you know, Donovan Mitchell's Jazz team and a, you know, an underwhelming Minnesota team. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the Warriors are going to win this series. I'm going to go a little more bold. I'm going to go seven games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think the Warriors, in, in my opinion, I don't know if you've seen any of the interviews, you know, coming up to this series, but I don't think the Warriors really respect the Rockets. Um, no. They don't. They don't really think they're good enough to beat. Uh, themselves they don't think the Rockets are good enough to beat um, the Warriors and you know I, I think you know that's going to come back to bite them I think in the first couple games you're going to see a good Rockets team out there um, you know but these are two of the best offenses in NBA history really going at it so it's gonna be very interesting it's basically who can play the better defense in the series um, and you know I think the Warriors have the better defenders uh, and like you said I mean the X factor in the series has to be Kevin Durant uh, I don't think while the Rockets do have some good wing defenders, I don't think they have anyone that can slow down Kevin Durant. Uh, I think Chris Paul is going to be able to slow down Steph Curry a little bit, um, you know, maybe halt his production slightly. Uh, but I don't see anyone being able to guard, uh, you know, basically a seven foot guard that can score twenty eight a game when he wants to. Um, and that's why, you know, I think if there's going to be MVP of the series, it's going to be Kevin Durant, and I think it's going to go seven games just because. I mean, James Harden is arguably the best offensive player in the NBA. It's going to be hard for the Rockets, or I mean, for the Warriors to slow him down, even if they can throw Clay Thompson, they can throw Andre Iguodala, they can throw all these different guys at him. They, I still think he's going to get, um, you know, his his points. Um, you know, he's averaging 30.4 points per game. So, like, it, it's going to be a really good series. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be really close towards the end, but the Rockets... They just don't have, you know, the clutch players on their team. You know, Chris Paul and James Harden in the past have really uh, folded under pressure. And, that you know, that's why I think the Warriors are going to come out on top. And, you know, I think the Warriors are, you know, honestly uh, going to win the NBA Finals once again. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I am very critical of Mike D'Antoni in the postseason. But I do have to say that, you know, his whole mantra his entire career has been uh, seven seconds or less on offense. You know, you got to get a shot up seven seconds or less into a possession just so you can maximize your offensive possessions and your, you know, your um, the offensive potential. You know, it's all offense, no defense for him, essentially. But he's kind of, I, I listened to an interview earlier today, he's kind of changed that around this season. And it's kind of just like however many seconds James Harden and Chris Paul need. And that's basically all that this team has turned into. It's not really a seven seconds or less, which is, you know, why I faulted Mike D'Antoni in the postseason, because I don't think that that translates that well when, you know, every possession counts. I mean, you can... The defense intensifies, so if you're throwing up shots, you know, with five seconds into a shot clock, you know, then, you know, you're wasting away possessions. But um, he has really changed how this team, how he operates his offenses, and he's giving a lot more um, freedom to his star players. And that's why, you know, it has been more successful than in the past. I think this is one of the better teams that Dan Tony has coached. Um, so just, you know, I am, you know, I guess I'm, critiquing myself because I am the, I've been at hard on the Rockets all postseason. Um, and, you know, I'm still sticking with my, you know, Golden State in five. But, um, you know, I, I expect it to be, you know, a hell of a series. I'll really enjoy watching this one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's what, you know, everyone has looked forward to this season, really this series um, of the playoffs so far. And, um, one question I wanted to ask you before we moved on, do you think it's bad for the NBA if the Cavs and Warriors end up in the finals for the fourth consecutive year? No, I don't think 
think I don't think that it's bad for the NBA. I think that it's I think that this ends up being the closing chapter of the Cavs and the Warriors, and I, you know I think that's mostly because. I think that LeBron leaves and just probably faces the Warriors next year in the finals with a different team. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, there have been several times where you have, um, you know, three consecutive matchups in the NBA finals. Um, and I, you're telling me that you don't want to watch an NBA finals that has potentially the first, second, and third best player in the NBA. I mean, I'd much rather watch, you know, LeBron James play against Steph Curry and Kevin Durant than Terry Rozier against Steph Curry and Kevin Durant in, in no, uh, no discredit to Terry Rozier, but I, I just think that like, you know, people want to say that it's bad for the NBA and it's, it's getting stale, but you have the three, you know, three top five players in the NBA who get to battle it out in the finals. And I think that that's something you, you rarely get in professional sports. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, you, you look at it that way. I mean, I like how you, you said, you got three. You got the top, basically the top three players uh, playing in the championship game of a professional sport. I mean, what's better than that? You're also having the best player in the world play the best team in the world. Uh, that's you know quite the matchup as well. So um, you know, I I can see why it's get, getting dry to people because it's the same. Um, it's the same thing. And you know, people. I know me and you personally, you know, really love the NBA and, and, and respect the game. But a lot of people don't respect the NBA. Don't like it because. You know, they look at it as you can write in the same teams every year. Uh, you know, they look at it as a lack of competition. You can basically just, you know, like I said, write all these write all these teams in as winners of these series because it's usually the higher seed that wins. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I think it's great for the game of basketball, and there's nothing better than watching uh, Kevin Durant and LeBron James go at it. Yeah, definitely. So we'll move on to our next topic. Um, you know, we've had – we went through the Eastern Conference Finals – uh, went through the Western Conference Finals. Uh, the what we were talking about earlier with the 76ers, you know, they lost in five games to the Boston Celtics. Uh, but it looks like this offseason they're going to be very aggressive, going after a trade for Kawhi Leonard, uh, and hopefully trying to sign Paul George and going all in on LeBron James. So, Blake, let me ask you: Do you see any of those three players in a Sixers uniform next year? And uh, after that, just Talk about, you know, a trade package for Kawhi Leonard. What do you think the Sixers would have to give up for that? Yeah, so I I definitely understand going all in on LeBron. I think that, you know, I feel he has to be one of LeBron's, you know, final three to four destinations um, if he's thinking of places where he's going to get star players, um, you know, a, a, a big market, um, and, you know, a fresh start for him. Um, you know, it's some young, talented players. He's not going to be... You know, playing alongside old old guys like Jose Calderon and and J.R. Smith, who kind of taken a step back. These are all guys that even you know the the bench in Philly is going to be hitting um, their better years. Dario Saric, what does he have to come in the next years? Robert Covington, you know Simmons, M.B. Those guys are all just going to continue getting better. So it's a situation where he's going somewhere that it, it isn't like J.R. Smith is getting worse and Jose Calderon is getting worse. Um, Kyle Korver is getting older. It, it's not like that. Um, so I definitely, I think, I don't think LeBron is most likely to go to Philly. I think if I'm looking at what which situation I think is most likely, I think it is a trade for Kawhi Leonard. Um, and I don't know how likely I think that it is. I just think that um, if the Spurs are looking to trade Kawhi. Philly has a lot to offer. Um, you know, 
to make the Caps space work, you might have to give up Robert Covington. Um, Greg Popovich has shown, you know, um, admiration for foreign players his entire um, career. So, you know, maybe he has interest in a Dario Saric. Um, it, it's tough because you do have to make the money work. And, uh, you know, Kawhi's got to want to play um, in Philadelphia. I just, I think that that's the most likely destination. And I think that also pairs up nice with the team. Um, I think that, you know, Kawhi isn't like, a, you know, a lethal shooter, but he has been improved vastly throughout his um throughout his career he's not a guy that needs to be the star i think his personality is very uh personality type b where he is just he wants to play basketball he doesn't need to be the guy he doesn't need the fame the admiration the love that you you, that i kind of get that vibe from like a paul george um i think he's he's ready after a year in oklahoma city next to rust i think he wants to go somewhere where he's the guy again and I don't think that would be the case in Philly. Um, I don't think that would clash well with Embiid. I think it would be a really interesting combination. You have the most quiet uh, player in the NBA in Kawhi Leonard, and then the, you know the loudest star in basketball right now in Joel Embiid playing alongside each other. Um, so I think that's the more likely um, situation. Um, I'd love to hear what you think because you're all about the Sixers. Yeah, you know, I was listening to an um, NBA ringer show this morning. Um, and they were talking about, you know, the trade scenarios and it, it looks like it would be a stacked, you know, package for Kawhi Leonard somewhere in the ballpark of, you know, I like how you talked about Covington and Sarge because those guys would be included. Uh, it would be Covington, Sarge, Markel Fultz and a first round pick uh, for Kawhi Leonard, which which is a very big um, pull. But you're getting rid of Robert Covington's contract, which, you know, isn't too bad. He's a, he's a really good defender, uh, really good 3 and D guy. So, you know, I don't hate the contract, but it's a way of making the money work. You bring in Kawhi Leonard. Um, you automatically put in the best defense, one of the best defensive centers in basketball, Joel Embiid, with one of the best, with the best wing defender in basketball, with Kawhi Leonard, uh, alongside Ben Simmons, who's you know been great defensively as well. I mean, it's it's probably the best defensive team in the NBA. I think they they'd be better defensively than the Warriors or the Celtics, but offensively, I don't know um, if they can really afford to you know bring back JJ Redick and bring back Marco yeah. Bellinelli and uh, lose Robert Covington and Dario Sarge. I mean, those guys are all good offensively um, and we're crucial down the stretch for them. So, uh, you know, the package is going to be hefty. I don't think LeBron's going to sign with Philly this offseason. Um, I think it's a, a pretty big long shot. Uh, you know, I, I see – I could see L.A., I can see Houston, I can see Cleveland, and I can see Philadelphia. Uh, most likely it would be L.A. or Houston. I could see if the Rockets struggle – um, and against the Warriors and lose, like you say, in like five games or four games. I could see uh, LeBron jumping on that ship, especially if you know the Cavs don't even make the finals. Um, I could see him jumping over there and trying to beat the Warriors in the Western Conference. And in that case, it would be you know uh, the Sixers and Celtics for the next four or five years in the Eastern Conference. Maybe your Knicks at some point, maybe. Uh, we'll see. But, yeah, it's going to be a hefty price for Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's you know the most likely scenario. Um, out of them all, but I just don't see Paul George uh, wanting to go there as well. I think Paul George is going to end up in LA regardless. Um, but you know, it's going to be a very interesting offseason, and you know, we'll be here um, to talk about it. So we'll move on um, to our fourth of five topics. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the Hawks hiring a set, the 76ers assistant as their next head coach. Blake, what are your thoughts on him, and do you think he can really, you know, turn 
uh, the Hawks around? Yeah, so the Hawks are in an interesting place, and um, I know that Mike Budenholzer wanted to leave, but you had a pretty good coach, in my opinion, um, with the uh, with the um, Atlanta Hawks in your organization, and you kind of let him go. Um, he still isn't anywhere yet. Um, apparently, he's interested in either the Bucks or the Raptors position. Um, my thing is... It's essentially like Atlanta is about to start their own process. Um, and I guess maybe that makes sense, bringing in an assistant from uh, from Philadelphia's staff to kind of mentor this whole overhaul that they're going through. Because if you look at that roster, I, I don't see a star on that team. I don't see someone they're building around. I don't see any reason free agents would want to sign there. Um, Atlanta, to me, I mean... If they ended up with the first pick and they take DeAndre Ayton, that's their start of their process. You know, a healthier um, big man than what this uh, Sixers got at the time with Embiid. But it's it's that start of building the process. Um, I just it's it's interesting because you know Brett Brown had um, you know has some good experience uh, beforehand. He was the director of player development um, and was an assistant coach with the Spurs for over a decade. Um, and so, you know, I think that he was a little more battle tested, um, where you've got this assistant now going into Atlanta, you know, I hope he can bring some of that to the Hawks and, um, kind of what he's learned from Brett Brown, because I think Brett Brown did a great job sticking through with this whole process and, uh, making things work. Um, and they had a great season. Um, I just, um, I might be a little cautious that, you know, maybe you want your head coach, um, to kind of stick through the process, a guy that has had more experience with, you know, and more success in the, um, NBA because, uh, as an assistant, um, Brett Brown's a four time NBA champion, um, with, uh, the Spurs and then, um, yeah, with the Spurs, four of them. So I, you know, I, I think it's a good hire. I just think that, you know, Mike Budenholzer might've been doing a, good enough job with whatever team they had constructed yeah no I, I definitely agree with you um you know they they hire the 76ers assistant Lloyd Pierce um you know they give him a three-year deal with an option for a fourth it almost looks like they're trying to you know not copy the 76ers but you know go after that process go after you know that rebuild that the Sixers did and that you know it was a very long process for the Sixers you know it took four or five years um, and I don't see, you know, Lord Pierce, he would have to sign another deal before, you know, they really get to that point um, where they, you know, be a contender in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, while I know him, the Hawks and Budenholzer really parted ways, uh, I think they should have really kept him around, had him, you know, been the coach for the next couple of seasons and then brought in a new coach. I don't know if Lord Pierce was the right decision, uh, but, you know, time will tell and they're going to have to build through the draft um, because, like you said, I don't think. Uh, right now, Atlanta is a very good destination for free agents, especially looking at that roster. So, um, very interesting situation, and it'll be one to follow. Yeah, I mean, just even looking now, I've got the numbers up. You know, Brett Brown entered the league years ago in the with the Spurs. You know, uh, Lloyd Pierce entered as a coach in uh, 2003 in Santa Clara um, as an assistant. He was with the Cavs for some time as an assistant. Golden State before they got great. Memphis for a few years and then stuck with Philly. This isn't a guy that necessarily has championship experience, whereas Brett Brown was around a winning organization for a while. It was essentially 
he was the assistant in Philly for their one good season, and now he's a head coach. I am a little worried about that, and especially because he is a young guy. He's only 42 years old, and I'm not sure if that's um, the right move to go in when you maybe want someone that's a little more experienced, knows you know how to win in the NBA. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you always want to look – I mean, I, I know – they were a fan of him because of how the 76ers really over, you know, re- really outplayed expectations this year. Uh, he was assistant on the team. He, he liked the, I know the Hawks uh, definitely probably liked the way that, you know, they played this year and how they outplayed expectations. But, you know, I, I just don't see the same thing for the Hawks for the next couple of years. So, uh, you know, they're going to, like I said, have to build through the draft and it'll be a long, drawn out process. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Boyd Pierce is even there. Uh, when when you know they make the playoffs again, uh, but we'll move on to our last topic. Uh, I, I want to get your opinion uh, since uh, the Knicks hired Dave Fisdale as their head coach. Um, since our last episode, Blake, big New York Knicks fan, what's your opinion? Yeah, and I said it. I think I said it two weeks ago, or on our last episode of the episode before before we were checking off. I said the Knicks are gonna hire David Fisdale. And then LeBron James is going to want to come play for the New York Knicks. Uh, That second part, you know, definitely more of a joke. Um, But I I love this hiring. Of all the candidates available, Fisdale was the guy that I wanted at this position the most. Um, You know, uh, his opening press conference, he talked about how he's bringing, he wants mentally tough guys in this organization. He doesn't want any cupcakes, which I thought was pretty funny that he's thrown around the term cupcakes. That's just become a, a normal term now after Kevin Durant got exposed. Um, but yeah, I, I think David Fizdale is just the right direction for the Knicks. This is honestly the most secure I've felt about the future for the Knicks um, in quite some time because we have gone through, uh, you know, Phil Jackson overseeing operations and, you know, that was a shit storm. And then we had, um, Oh, we, we've had some bad head coaches. Derek Fisher um, was our head coach for a while. I just I think that this is a guy that that understands how to win. He was you know he's a two time champion as an assistant with the Miami Heat. Um, he's you know been around with some winning organizations, and I think while he maybe didn't have the most success um, as a head coach in Memphis, he did lead them to a playoff series with a uh, forty three and thirty nine record back in two thousand sixteen. Um, I, I was shocked that he was fired or so early on in the season um, after Memphis started out the 2017-18 season at a 7-12 and record. I don't think that was um, the reason to give up that quick, but he's, he's a great guy, a great personality, and I think for the, future, for the first time since I've been a Knicks fan, I feel comfortable about where the organization is going. Yeah, definitely. I, I like the hiring as well. Um, you know, he, he kind of got pushed out of Memphis – um, I think for the wrong reasons, uh, you know, I think the organization had some issues uh, with keeping guys around that they probably shouldn't have kept around. Uh, and, you know, David Fisdale was really, uh, you know, the the odd man out in that situation. Um, he's been on ESPN for a while uh, working as an analyst. He's, you know, he's a really intelligent guy. I think he's, you know, players love to play for him. Um, you know, I think, I think it's a situation that will work out. Uh, but, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the, what the Knicks do um, in the offseason and, and what they do in the draft because uh, David Fisdale can only coach the players that are out there or the, co- the players on the roster. So um, we'll really have to see what they do because, uh, you know, he can't, he can't magically take a team full of 
um, D-League players to the playoffs. It's just not going to happen. So uh, they're really going to have to find some more talent, hope that Kristaps Porzingis gets healthy again, um, and it will definitely be something to watch, and I'm excited to see uh, how you react along the way. Oh, yeah. It's it's going to be an interesting offseason. There's some money uh, tied up to players that I think eventually has to get let loose. Um, uh, Ennis Cantor has, I think, an $18 million player option. I don't know what he'd make out on the market this offseason, but it'll be interesting to see if he accepts that or not. Um, thankfully, we still have Porzingis in that rookie-scale contract. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. locked up a lot of our money this past offseason, but we're getting some more money off the books. Hopefully someday this Joakim Noah contract will be gone. I I just it makes me sick to my stomach that we're still paying that man, um, you know, around fifteen million a year. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's going to be an interesting off season for any team uh, with all the free agents. But I'm especially excited to see what the Knicks do. Yeah, definitely going to be uh, interesting, and I hope Kristaps Porzingis the best in his health. Uh, so before I, before we go, I wanted to uh, give you a chance to plug your new podcast, Blake. Um, in oh. case any of you have seen, uh, decided to start his own podcast called the Blake Pace Podcast. Uh, Blake, you want you know tell the the viewers about that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, I first episode I think is uh, it's May fourteenth today. First episode is um, going online later tonight. I am. Uh, doing three episodes a week, kind of just circulating between baseball, basketball, and football. Um, this is just something that I had thought about for a while, and now that I have extra time in the summer and an easier workload uh, going into next semester, I just thought that I could sit down for a couple hours a week and just get out some some takes on sports that um, that I just feel are you know important. It's not going to be you know specific game analysis or what goes on, maybe just more general takes about the sports of the game. Um, have some uh, some guests on there, some you know episodic uh, segments. Um, Kevin's definitely coming on at some point. I you know will definitely um, talk on there a decent amount. Yeah, it's an exciting time. Uh, thank you for letting me talk about that, Kevin. Yeah, no problem. Uh, excited to see uh, how the first couple episodes go, and I'll you know I'll definitely be tuning in to listen. Um, but yeah, good luck with that. Thank you. Um, so that will. Wrap up this week's episode of Courtside Take. Uh, Blake and I will come back at you next Monday. Um, talk more as you know these conference finals really unravel. Uh, we'll see how you know the Celtics uh, and the Cavs are good doing as long uh, along with the Warriors and the Rockets. So uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, don't forget to follow Pure Sports Network on on Twitter, um, on the NBA Twitter page, and on our main Twitter page at Pure Sports Net. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on iTunes uh, by searching Pure Sports. So uh, thanks again for joining us. And, Blake, any last words? Uh, go next. I'm trusting the New York process. Uh, don't steal trust the process, but, uh, <laughs> yep, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll catch you next week. Take care.